0: Wall Street is full of corruption, and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over 100 years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumbine. All right, everybody. It is Steve with The Rogue Scholar. And as you can see, I am joined by none other than Jen Perlman, who is obviously a friend of RP, a friend of Steve Grumbine. And we get on pretty well. We've been doing a lot of things here lately uh, on both generational change, which I'm grateful for being included in. But we also are in a different place here today. Rogue Scholar is a different kind of show. Our goal here is to not just be part of the Chitterati of YouTube, but to sort of attack and take on tough tough subjects, scholarly subjects sometimes, and making them simple for people, but more importantly, talking about subjects that are just difficult in general. And today is no different. So we titled this uh, segment Micro Divides, Because one of the most important things that Jen has is building that web, building that connective tissue with the whole movement. And we share in that desire. That's one of the things that I love most about her. But where it comes into real, real challenge is this area of knowledge and building on knowledge so that the movement itself doesn't continue to take one step forward, two steps back, wash, rinse, repeat. All ideas are equal. They're not, folks. I'm sorry. They're not. All all discussion points are equal. No, they're not. Not everybody has invested the time to learn subjects at a level at which they have a certain level of expertise. And so, you know, for me, when I thought about bringing Jen onto the show, I was figuring one of the most important aspects of bringing a movement together is that unity. But unity in what? Right. It's it's like being able to not continue to go back to the well for things that we've already hashed out, we've already debated, we've already had agreement on, and now it's time to move forward. So with that, Jen, thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of the Rogue Scholar.
1: Of course, I told you I will own being rogue, but I am no scholar, but um, that's all right.
0: (laughs) Well, so you heard the intro there. You you heard the intro and, You've watched me, I've gone on quite a number of programs, yours, others, where I've talked about modern monetary theory. And if you know me at all, and we talked on offline, I would love nothing better to not have to tell the beginning story of how MMT works and what MMT is. I mean, I've been doing this for, well, I've been doing this myself for about 15 years, but as RP for seven years. And you know, I've been on every show from Jimmy Dore to Jordan to yours and the convo couch and all the other little inner ones in between. And it seems like after you talk about MMT, the next day they'll have Max Keebler on talking about Bitcoin and how the dollar is going to crash and it's going to create hyperinflation. And the guest or the host will sit there and nod along with them as if, yeah, like I didn't have this conversation with them yesterday. Today we're just going to act like it didn't happen. And, and, and it kind of transverse, it goes across all the issues. It's not like just one thing. Like you've got people in, in very much proud Eidos positions that are fighting for reparations on one hand. On the other hand, you've got people fighting for trans rights on the other. And then you've got people over here fighting for legalization of marijuana. You got all kinds of things going on. And it seems like we have to have these rehash debates over and, and we never get any further. What do you what do you think plays into that kind of all ideas are equal thing?
1: Yeah, you know, this is there's a lot of factors. Okay, like, but I've always looked at this similar to like, you don't think we're making progress, but we are because I know five years ago, I wasn't sitting here with a podcast talking to you about these things. So we are making progress. Sure. So I don't like to make it be like, you know, two steps back. We keep going back because we we're not. But I think there's a few factors. One, I think the left tends to have this over-tolerant, over-woke, all ideas need to be heard and respected, uh, which is not true. And then you also have that there's a certain amount of playing to what an audience wants to hear in terms of <clears throat> your viability as a content creator and getting clicks and, and those things. Um, so, so I think it's both. You know, you, you, We're not living in this vacuum where our job is solely well ours is we're trying to put out real information but a lot of people also have considerations of how do i keep my channel going what kind of audiences can i read and the more different opinions you bring in in theory you could be reaching that many different people um but i think that we've gotten over tolerant it's sort of like i think we've gotten over woke we're over tolerant and I, I realized this a few years ago with the healthcare debate, we're talking about Medicare for all. And about three years ago, I decided I'm no longer debating this issue. I'm just not, I'm not debating it any more than I'm going to debate creationism or evolution or the flat earthers or anything like that. I'm, I'm just not because in a way that gives their, their side some credence. Um, and so it is frustrating. Like I totally understand it's frustrating, but you are definitely making progress. But I think that that is this is the this is the fight that this is the revolution, and the fight isn't necessarily on the streets like physical fighting. it's this constant never ending drain of just that you feel like you're banging your head against the wall um and I think that's sort of like our cross to bear in terms of participating in the revolution, you know
0: yeah, absolutely well you look at. Politicians, for example, as they go in front of their constituents or during a campaign, even, you know, you see people who you know have no chance of winning. They're not even polling in the single digits, they're in like decimal place digits here. And they have the freedom to kind of just speak their truth and really put out this unequivocating, unapologetic message. And, but you look at politicians in general and there are very few of them that are willing to take a real, honest, true position that based in fact, not based on what the party says or based on whatever popular opinion is, that just take a bold position and and stand on it. Uh, you look at John Yarmouth here recently, who, you know, is boldly castigating the Congress for not reading Stephanie Kelton's deficit myth book and for not understanding the basics of economics. He was eviscerating Manchin and others for this very thing, but he's just one guy. Now, I happen to know firsthand that many, many, many new recruits in the Congress, as well as many of the old timers, have not only had the one-on-one with Kelton, have not only had the one-on-one with other activists and have read the book, et cetera, but they literally cannot bring themselves to speak about this publicly. Now, is that a function of understanding the way populism is and not getting run off the stage? Is this a matter of they don't know enough to hold their own in the debate, so they don't want to bring it up and have to deal with that? Or is this that the soundbite is going to be too short for them to actually get the meaningful stuff out there, so they just go with the standard framing of whatever? It seems to me it's not just an alternative media. It's not just an activism. It's also the politicians who get on stage and say these things. What are your thoughts there?
1: yeah. well, I would say the predominant reason that most politicians, and I mean most, do what they do is because of their serving their corporate overlords. Um, when you know, you'd have to pull out the few that are non-corporate in Congress, and there's a there's a handful uh, and look at, you know, are they doing this? Is this something they're doing? and And then I really don't know what they're hiding from other than their own wanting to be reelected and worrying that you're going to upset people. And There is, to some extent, this uh, like when we look at the mass populace, when you're on the inside and you see things that like we see and you are noticing things, there's like this potential of mass hysteria if regular people, everyday people. Sometimes I think if regular people knew what I know, that people wouldn't be sleeping at night. Like it's so there's this certain amount of buffering, I think, that politicos do. To try to one, make it understandable to the common person, because really we're talking about a fifth grade reading level when we talk about appealing to the masses. That's what most things are written at a fifth grade level. And I think a lot of these issues cannot really be easily explained. And so it's easier to just give platitude sandwiches and just say, you know, we're here to fight for freedom and democracy and just sort of, you know, get an applause and then you move on. Uh, but the problem is, is that at the real level, at the policy level, we know that it's special moneyed interests that are keeping all of these things uh, from being on the foreground. If, if we if if the moneyed interests supported the concept of MMT, we would be done having this discussion and it would be as commonplace as anything else. So that's the real battle, is that the people that don't want us to know these things are the ones that are sponsoring a lot of our politicians.
0: You know, it's funny because we look at the way polls go and, you know, Medicare for all is extremely popular. Federal job guarantee is extremely popular. I mean, I don't like a UBI, but a UBI is extremely popular. Uh, you look at uh, climate change and the vast majority of people are, are, this is a concern for them. They are concerned about climate change. Uh, you look, most people don't want us going to war. Um, on and on, but none of these things seem to be heard by our politicians. Now, we both know, and we've talked about this in different places many times, that Congress is, in fact, mostly bought off through lobbyists and stuff. They are literally restrained from saying things based on who's buttering their bread. I, I don't know how to really get money out of politics, per se, in terms of the taint that's there, because to do that, you would need to have probably either a constitutional convention, which comes with a whole slew of problems that the right wing has been preparing for for over 50 years. And the other side of that is possibly you know, the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court has ruled on, on money in politics as well. Um, and they basically granted that money is speech and that corporations are people. So we really are left with very few uh, avenues by which to remove the taint of lobbyist money from our political process. H- how would you approach that, Jen?
1: Yeah, this is like the you know million dollar question. You know, like how do you get money out of politics when you need to get the agreement of the people who benefit from money in politics? Like, you know, you would have to have a Congress that would be willing to vote against their own financial best interest, and that is ultimately like that's our. That's sort of the vicious circle we're in right now. And what I see is, and I hate to say it, is like the only real hope that I see is that we're slowly chipping away by getting non corporate candidates in there. And we are. We've made some progress. Look, we only have two non corporate senators um, Bernie Sanders, Rand Paul, which is, you know, that's embarrassing. But um, we are seeing an increase in congressional representatives that are non corporate. And I really think that. We need to keep chipping away at that because when you will get enough of those people, then you will have people that are willing to vote in the best interest of the people and not in their own financial bottom line. But it's like, it's slow going to get enough people in there to make that happen. But I agree, it's not gonna it's not gonna be just some, let's get money out of politics legislation that's gonna just come through. It's just not, there are way too many corporate whores in there right now. Um, And I don't even, like, even the Congressional Progressive Caucus, they've got, like, the numbers in the hundreds or whatever they are, but we all know that that's just a token. Most of them are not non-corporate. They're just saying they're progressive to say they're progressive. And really, there is, honestly, and with the way the the judiciary has been so compromised by partisan Mm -hmm. hackery that now we don't even have an impartial judiciary. And that's a huge problem. Like for me, as somebody who um, has a law background that I've been watching this over the years, it's very scary. Uh, The makeup of the Supreme Court is scary. The makeup of all the other appellate federal benches is very scary. And that's something that kind of keeps me up at night. But I really think that really our only option is to just keep do the best we can to elect non-corporate whores into Congress that will eventually form an alliance. I
0: know that's not very good news. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I look back at Bill McKibben, and you know he 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 made the statement, and that basically you can't negotiate with physics. And we know we have a climate crisis coming. and you down there in Florida are probably going to get the brunt of that. you know, being being coastal, that's going to be a real challenge. and And this is not something where we have generations to to kind of get this right. I will tell you, people that I'm talking to, many of them privately and even starting to come out publicly are saying, hey, I think we're past the point of mitigating climate change. I think we're now at the point where while we, yes, we have to mitigate and change things so that we don't exacerbate it, we're at a point where we more importantly need to learn how to live with it. We need to find out how to survive now because we didn't move fast enough and you see like down there in the antarctic you've got warm water underneath of the ice shelf melting it away from the bottom up we're not even talking about surface melt we're talking about below in the stream yeah. melting that shelf down that shelf is the only thing holding those glaciers from falling in. Now, the shelf isn't going to displace any water because it's already in the water the issue is if those those uh glaciers Slide into the ocean from from you know where they're landlocked presently, that's when you're going to see the hundred foot tsunamis coming in a hundred miles into the mainland and wiping out. and we're talking about a real existential crisis here. This is what I worry about when I think about how much time do we have, like if you're if you're doing competing timelines of how do we get Congress here? How do we get the population here? How do we stop this hundred foot tidal wave from wiping us up? Don't look up, right I mean this yeah. is this is kind of where I worry about this because the timelines aren't matching up and and so, yeah, there's an expedite <laughs> that needs to occur on one of these things
1: <laughs> you know? yeah, I actually you think have? about this frequently being in South Florida, and I say it all the time, and people look at me like I'm sort of chicken little, like the sky is falling and 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 they kind of you know, think I'm over exaggerating the situation. I'm not exaggerating this. Everybody south of Lake Okeechobee really should start thinking about higher ground. And I'm not saying that like, there's gonna be this huge tidal wave, well, there could be, that flushes us all out to sea in the next few years. I'm not, it's not that. But one of the reasons when you talk about why we have to keep repeating ourselves because the mainstream narrative doesn't want regular people to know this, but if people knew that Florida was literally going to be underwater in 20 years? How much money would they be wanting to invest in real estate down here? And then all the big mm. developers that keep building things. Uh, it's sort of like I look at them. And I'm like, look, man, the jigs up like you, you, they're not going to be able to get insurance on these properties. We are in a situation now and I say this all the time, that in my lifetime, we are seeing the final buyers of certain properties down here that will not be able to change hands again, because nobody will want to buy them. And people think I'm crazy and they keep buying things on the beach. And it's, let me tell you guys, we are one category two, even storm away from having like a complete destruction of our underground infrastructure here. And people only think of it in terms of sea level rising on the coast. Florida is built on limestone. Our freshwater aquifer is underneath us. Every little inch of salt level sea, saline rise from the seawater every little bit of that is encroaching into our freshwater aquifer. We are going to get to a point where we do not have enough fresh water for the people here. Forget washing away the buildings on the beach. That's its own problem. And nobody wants to talk about that. Sometimes I feel like I'm in that movie. Um, I I feel like I'm in that movie, don't look up. And I'm saying people, you really shouldn't be investing in this property because they're not building up the infrastructure. These are going to be worthless properties. And yet they're all still building more and more there's a high rise now down on miami beach it's the porsche porsche building or whatever and it's condos wherein you can drive your car all the way up like you can drive your car up to your condo and it parks in your condo like this is the kind of stuff they're investing in and i just it's sad i think i look at those buildings and i'm like they're gonna look really great with coral reefs growing on them in 100 years
0: i mean it's not funny but it's it's like what do you do and oh, i, I guess I mean, one of the, well that, that's what you're doing but th- but think about yeah. the poor folk the poor oh. out there that don't have options right it's so this this brings me to this point right i know like i i see my good friend sam uh from reset race in the audience there and sam hey, has been Shane, on both I... of our programs yeah, yeah. But Sam, Sam is focused on reparations, right? This is, you know, we each come to this with specific knowledge and, and that's yeah. their angle here. But when I think about what is going to happen with climate change, and I'm not even talking about the the hundred the foot tsunami from a, a glacier falling into Antarctica. I'm talking about the algae blooms and different things that cause public health concerns, especially in black and brown communities and impoverished areas, especially with one of the most important, very unfairly not talked about subjects, which is environmental racism. We dump our medical supplies. We dump our trash. We dump all kinds of toxic waste in poor communities, right outside the poor communities. And it, you know how water gets to people. It gets through you know, underground and and so forth. So these, these individuals are dramatically impacted by things that have no no one championing them, no one really meaningfully championing them. And when I talk to people about environmental racism, they don't even know what I'm talking about half the time. Um, so we we've got a lot of really important things that aren't talked about. And when they are talked about, they're not talked about with the proper amount of gravitas, enough enough energy, because these are things like, imagine like what you were saying, the water comes through, destroys the underground infrastructure of that portion of Florida. How many dead bodies get floated up into uh, the regular streets? Just, you know, I mean, I know when Katrina came, there were dead bodies all over the place. You know, how do we deal with that? To make people realize that we really are truly that close to having major problems, and it's going to dramatically impact those least able to move to higher ground. I mean, this, right. this is like right here, right now.
1: Yeah, it's this is the, always the case. Always the, the the issues that affect us most will always exponentially affect um the most vulnerable communities. And we know those are black and brown people. We know that. Um the class divide is very real, and this is constant. It's constant. i I actually am um, looking at doing some work for um, an organization, and their purpose down here is right now we're transporting liquefied natural gas from a facility to the port. And of course, that that liquefied natural gas goes through very black and brown communities that are putting them in danger for any sort of toxicity or anything that could come from any accident of this transport and so we see this all the time and it's and that it, this is the point in keeping everybody ignorant because it's like and and the other reason is is that when you're poor you're just trying to make ends meet you're just trying to have enough food on your table you can't be worrying about sea level rise 10 years from now when you don't even know how you're going to feed your kids tonight and that's that's the key way that this happens that's how come those communities oftentimes are not capable of fighting for themselves they don't have the time to be doing that when they're just struggling to live and so i feel like it's incumbent upon people that are privileged that do have that time to fight for those people um and and that's you know that's what we're trying to do I, you know it's very it's stressful to me it's depressing and um, I, you know, I wish I could say that it's getting better. It's not. And the reality is, if you look at like human evolution, this is definitely a Darwinism thing. Except for what we consider the fittest is the richest, um, and that's that's basically what's happening. Is we're seeing survival of the richest, and we've just commodified everything to the point where people's mere existence is dependent on a for-profit model. And so you know, this is. Um, i wish i had answers like i wish i had answers like i feel like the best i can do is scream from my soapbox as much as i can and try to bring attention to it but i do think that we're doing that and i do think that we are making progress whether or not it's fast enough to save vulnerable people um i i don't know i you know and and people can't move you're right people can't just pick i mean people would say that with katrina why didn't they just leave Mm -hmm. um yeah where people first of all it costs money to do that and not everybody has a place to go You, you not everybody is capable physically of leaving depending on you know what condition you're in and it's just very easy for privileged people to say things like just go uh it's not realistic and i i don't know but i do know that getting the corruption out and the filth out of our policymakers is the only chance that we have of doing anything to help the vulnerable people from a from a broad standpoint i mean community-wise yeah i mean that we do but i mean broadly we have to get the filth you, out
0: you 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 all it was funny when we were on your show the other night i think i don't know if it was you or if it was peter or both of you or it was you you said okay now i'm gonna slice my veins open or something like that because steve is always the he's the little dark cloud that comes through right? I I I'm 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 really torn. Right? I am super torn. I'm super torn with always keeping it like kind of fun about the grateful dead or whether I flip back and just take the stuff I really truly know and say guys, this is serious. We're all going to die if we don't fix this. And and it's like this real weird balance of trying to express the extremity of this current situation that we're in without a sounding like an alarmist and being blown off and b without making people like yourself lose hope and try to (laughs) just bleed out right i don't want people bleeding out i want them to believe there's hope but yet there's so much noise right it's the noise and that's kind of what this micro divides discussions about there's just so much noise to compete with so many and it's like five minutes after you say something you're being refuted by mainstream television you're being refuted by a uh, random politician, random talk show. Your school teachers even are saying this stuff. The, the It's everywhere. Misinformation is like soup du jour. It's everywhere. And yeah. I don't know how, I mean, we have a very, very small platform by comparison to some. You know, we do not have the kind of power it takes to be able to take the kind of message that we want and get it out there so that people are able to take this seriously and also to respect each other's specific knowledge. You know, like I I just, I'll go back, especially since Sam is with us. Sam has invested herself so heavily in understanding the reparation space, working with people that are brilliant like Sandy Darity and Kirsten Mullen. And they have very specific knowledge of what a person who was a US freedman who lived during the era of slavery, whose, whose family came from that and has been through the entirety of getting denied the 40 acres and a mule, getting denied all kinds of agency and having to live through reconstruction and Jim Crow and everything else that goes with that. And, you know, Sandy Darity has laid out that blueprint. They have very specific knowledge about that. I respect them when it comes to discussions about reparations, but random people you see these panels out there, you see, it's like, you want to hear everybody have a, have a idea. But again, back to your original point, no, all ideas are not equal. They have specific knowledge that has taken years of energy to invest in learning. We have specific knowledge about modern monetary theory and the way federal finance works that, that is specific. And, and we have specialized in that. You have specific, knowledge. in fact, one of the things I love about what you did, running for office against some of the most corrupt people Florida has to offer, right? And and knowing what Tim Canova went through and his own runs down there, and God bless Tim. But <laughs> fact of the matter is, is that I have watched you go from person thinking about running to being candidate that is running to taking a more, you know, visible, a uh, role in a national space and talking about this, you have an understanding of what all these movements are doing. You you talk to a lot of different people. Help me understand what it is that you see that keeps us from being able to respect each other's specific knowledge. Like like, why would I go to Rando A about reparations that hasn't done any research instead of going to Sandy Darity and Kirsten Mullen? Why would I go? To rando dude from a blog at 3 a.m. instead of going to people that have invested their lives in understanding federal finance. what you, you know what I'm saying? Why is it yeah. that you're always uh, it doesn't make sense well, to me?
1: Can you help you're, me. You're you're gonna be you're gonna be funneled to wherever the corporate donors, whatever information they want you to have. And I also think that this is part of the part of the plan is to keep all of our small independent spaces fighting amongst each other. Because if all of these small independent spaces, and this is what we were sort of talking about the other night, and I, you know, this is something and especially seeing Sam on here, like, I love the idea of there being a network where different people have different specialties, and we all sort of promote each other's specialties, and create a broad coalition of, uh, this is facts. These are facts and you know like i would never claim to be a reparations expert but i support it because it's what's right and i and that same thing with modern monetary theory every time you you explain it to me i hear the teacher from charlie brown and and, (laughs) but i know but i know that it's right and i know that because first of all i believe in occam's razor and so it clearly makes the most sense to me but It's I agree. And and so what we have to fight against is this diversion of everybody's attention to corporate donor sponsored material, which is designed to keep people ignorant and it's designed to keep us fighting amongst ourselves. And so I feel like the biggest role that I have taken or that I've wanted to take on since our campaign has been to sort of build a coalition. And I look at it like a web. And every connection, like I love that Sam's on here on your show, because like I know you, I know her. And I think all of these sort of like web links is what ultimately is going to make us stronger, because then you'll have Sam going in her space and she'll be promoting you as, you know, an expert on modern monetary theory and, and promoting that and being like, look, it's not my area, but this is what I believe. And the same for me, like I am not an expert in pretty much anything. But I, I love to have those people on our show. And I do the best I can to filter that and make sure that I do my research and that I'm having people on that are speaking truth. Uh, but it's hard to get through it. And, and you don't wanna get into this area of censoring because I, I, I'm anti-censoring of any kind. Like that, I just, I won't subscribe to. And I, I think the only answer is to be the loudest voice in the room. And the only way we can do that is if we all come together with the voices and make them louder than what we're fighting against. So that's really what I'm trying to do, like give a platform for all of these things, because there are so many areas. There's are so mm-hmm. many different things you know to, to deal with and they're all equally important. Um, and we're just so easily distracted. That's a big part of it. And people really, if it's not in like a three second sound bite, they're not gonna follow.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, we're coming up on the end of this because we're trying to keep this a lunch break meal. You know, yeah. No, quick. I hey, know it's hard. Guys, this is right? heavy. It is. It is really heavy, but it's worth bringing up. It's worth getting out there for people to start thinking. I mean, we've spent just just as an example, we we had Warren Mosler, who is the father of MMT, come and do a live uh, afternoon with Warren Mosler the other day. There was about 150 people that signed up for the webinar it was really well attended but the people sat there and in the comments section you could see why are we listening to him he used to be a former hedge fund manager oh check gone he can't he, he has nothing to add right Boop, done right and it's like hey why are we why are you know he doesn't understand he's full of shit. he's a liar he's and it's like what are you kidding me and he's like here's my personal email write me anytime Here's how you can find me. Call me, talk to me anytime. I will answer your questions. I'll take the time to answer your questions. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I wish I had that kind of time to be able to provide that. But that's what it takes. But the people spent the last seven days debating, like somehow or another, like, like and they didn't say anything. And it's like, you, you just wonder, it takes so much to make us swallow our pride, swallow our ego and accept that hey i haven't invested myself in this space i don't have to be an expert i can rely on my friends within this movement and understand that they can teach me too and so if we take from each other each tool in the tool belt we can become full-fledged carpenters full-fledged architects full-fledged designers of the future if we but rely on each other's expertise and web you know weave that web that we talk about where we have all those tools at our disposal. If we could do that, then it wouldn't matter what politicians we have running. We, as the movement, would know what we want. We would know where to find the knowledge and the expertise. And we could collectively call bullshit if we could have that kind of synergy. And I I guess part of the problem is, is that we're not all at the same arc in our own learning process. And so, you know, everybody believes they know what they know until they find out they didn't know what they know. And so we're all in that constant arc with new information as long as we remain teachable and learning. And I think that's really what I want to get out of this thing is that it really comes down to remaining teachable. It really, you know, requires us to change when information is presented to us that disproves a prior belief disproves a prior thought or understanding and and uh, you know i think that our shows uh, you know i hope that what i do provides that i know that you're trying to do that as well i guess as we go forward i'm going to leave you with the last word what would be your parting words to a movement that's divided that needs to learn these things quickly so we can act on them in a timely fashion so we don't die from the waters coming up into the inland
1: yeah Well, the main thing is, that you know, I think that people need to be a lot nicer to each other that are in this space. And I actually got off of social media a long time ago just because people are so nasty and rude, and they always will assume the worst. Um, It's sort of like people are looking for a fight. They're wanting to criticize you. They're wanting to find something wrong with what you're saying, to nitpick on every little thing that you say. That's not helping. That's not helping. When people assume the worst of your intent, that's not gonna help us move forward. And occasionally you're gonna be wrong and somebody is gonna have malintent, that does happen. But I think we need to give people the benefit of that. Like I'm looking at the comments here. It's like, you know, there no one person is perfect. No one person is gonna say everything the way you would say it, but we need to put, get past a lot of that and look at what are we all trying to accomplish? You know, like I believe that it is our responsibility to care for the least of these. That is something that's important to me. And, and that is the primary basis of what I do. Now, you might not agree with how I speak about it or what I say about it, but I'm on a mission to help make people's lives better. And I think that people need to have a certain amount of respect for that and stop being overwoke. I think that would be a very good first, a very good first step, because that just keeps us divided and fighting and it and yeah, it gets clicks, but it's not going to help. That's, yeah, my, no, that's my, my solution is be nice, be nice.
0: Okay that that and that that's definitely an important part to this and I'm going to go out on a high note as opposed to a low note and I'm going to second that and I'm going to say folks do yourself a favor check out people that are trying to teach be you know always ask questions always be prepared to dig a little deeper because it's the knowledge that's going to help us if we're ever going to have a revolution you know if we're ever going to change society It's gonna have to be with new knowledge, not rehashing the past, rehashing things that didn't work before. It's gonna really require all of us to step into what does the new world look like and what do we want it to be? And Jen, I wanna thank you for trying to be a part of that new world. Um, And I wanna thank everybody for tuning in to today's episode of The Rogue Scholar. And Jen, you were wonderful. Let everybody know where we can find your stuff.
1: Yeah, guys, check out generational change. That's with a J. And we have a podcast, we do two lives a week. There's clips that go up from those throughout the week. And uh, you can also find us at generationalchange.com and follow us on social media. And you know, we're just trying to educate. That's what we're doing. I have, There's experts on actually Monday um, for Martin Luther King Day. Friend of the show, Margaret Kimberly is coming on. I always love talking with her. Uh, and I just do my best to try to provide voices that I think are relevant and need to be heard. So check us out. Well,
0: you you did fantastic jen thank you so much for joining us folks thank you for joining us we're out of here have a great one bye all the rogue scholar is a production of real progressives if you would like to support our work please visit patreon.com real progressives